I think in, in a lot of cities you have the noise that you don't want and then you might have the noise that you do want. And some of the noise that you don't want is like a semi-truck driving by. And people don't realize that, of course, you can close your eyes, but you can't just close your ears. So people put on headphones, now they walk down the street trying to block out sounds. In these kind of perimeter blocks, you have these narrow streets. And the narrow streets prevent these giant trucks from coming by or make it more difficult for them to come by. But I also think we need places that it's very noisy at, that humans can make noise whether that's starting a band or playing a show uh, or having street performers, we need those spaces where we can at least remember what it's like to be human. And part of being human is making sounds. I think zoning has something to do with it, that if we change the widths of the streets and change these calm areas, then we can use trees and other things to create zones that are quiet and zones that are loud and that's okay. And then people have an expectation of what it is in that zone, like what their experience will be. It's interesting because you see something like the Japanese idea of these, um, you see the Japanese idea of these, these automated sushi conveyor belt systems where you press a touch screen and you get your food. And you see a kind of calm way of ordering. Like it's an idea that you can be alone with yourself and then there's the idea that it's a quiet environment. And then you have the distorted version of that that comes to the States in the airport, which is an iPad uh, that constantly plays ads or an airplane that constantly plays ads and then you order but then it goes back to ads so that the ads are the default experience. Mm -hmm. So I think some countries are not as ad sponsored <laughs> as other countries and I don't know what it would mean to take advertisements out. I feel like ads and the states go together hand in hand but in some places that's just not the case and there, there are ads but they're done in a different way like they're part of the experience. Um, and, it's, and it's a lot more calm. Um, a lot of, I guess, you know, yeah, American advertising people and technology enthusiasts love the idea of having an augmented heads-up display in their futurism videos. Because when I think of architecture, I think, how long will a thing be there? And if you're going to make something that's longer term, you can't afford to switch something out every year. Uh, a piece of architecture, do you really want to shut down your hotel for a month every year to update to the latest tech? And do you want to retrain your entire staff on the latest technology? A city can have multiple modes of transit, like Amsterdam has at least 11. In Japan, you have an entire uh, bumpy yellow raised surface throughout most of Tokyo which is for the blind so that unaided by a dog, you can tap and go anywhere you want. Yeah. And you can read the ground with your cane. Plus if you're blind or if you don't have enough money or you can't see that well, how are you supposed to charge this extra thing? And we aren't increasing bandwidth. So, you know, it just doesn't make sense to add these for the sake of adding it so that it looks futuristic. The, I think the, the biggest issue that we have to deal with is the idea that we're stuck into the aesthetics of the future from film, when in reality, the future is a blend of history and future elements that are living in harmony alongside each other, that we might have a building that's 500 years old, but we also have some maybe advanced technology in there. Everything that I say right now has all this reverb in it. It's harder to understand because we're in this reverberation space. It's harder as a food service employee to hear somebody make an order um, the average decibels are, are much higher. It leads to people getting sick a little bit more frequently. 
I use noise canceling headphones on a plane so that I don't get as tired when I get off the plane. I, I use earplugs in a car and I have less fatigue so that my brain is not processing all of this stuff all the time. People assume a technology is a computer, but a technology is any tool. And, and you know, some tools are incredibly well designed as we were talking about with, with, with Norman. It really just comes down to elegant design and a really good piece of design if it's designed very, very well, you can use it immediately. You don't have to be trained on it. This, the interface leads you to the button that you want to press to get you to the goal you flow into using it. You're not trying to remember how to use the thing and be an expert at it. So I think there's this idea of developing with your mind and your body, um, that you're not just stuck in your head. And the thing I'm worried about a little bit is that if you're growing up with a touchscreen, you're not getting the sense of depth and the sense of physical awareness and the sense of emotional awareness that you could because everything's flattened into this spot. In a way, this kind of compression is something that I think we experienced as a culture when the trains came out, when you got accelerated and then all the landscape got into two dimensions on the side of the window. And so you kind of had this hyperspace that you went through and then the car further accelerated that and the plane really accelerated that and it kind of turned that transit space into a non-place that people would escape from by reading a book. But now, if reality is flattened even further into your phone and it's going past really fast, do we lose the long-term gratification that we get from doing something with our hands or experiencing uncompressed space?